Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their dream life, best fit role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. Hey everyone, I'm delighted to be welcoming Gemma Fuller to the podcast today. From barefoot, dreadlocked backpacker wandering around Central and Southeast Asia to a suit and tie corporate leader of a $100 million division of a multinational organization, Jem has seen a lot. Six years ago, he experienced how pressure to drive profit and growth can push us away from our values and authentic self and insert here a midlife crisis or awakening and Jem then propels himself on a new mission and that is to understand human behavior and functional leadership. Drawing on on his bohemian and adventurous background with an extraordinary variety of experiences, he has developed a message that hits home with impactful insights. Jem now coaches CEOs of international organizations and business owners on how to lead more mindfully and effectively while keeping it real. Over the years of immersion in different demographics, Jem has become passionate about the need for more developed self-awareness, positive culture, and the ability to communicate. His company is called Leaders in Life, and he improves these capabilities for clients, taking them on transformational programs in the Indian Himalayas, remote North Bali, and the Kimberley in Northwestern Australia. Welcome, Jem. Thanks very much, Nikki. It's really funny. So when I first met Jem, I was actually booking music acts in Melbourne at a venue called The Revolver. And then years and years passed and I heard about Jem, actually heard about you because of these adventure retreats and it definitely piqued my interest. My goal in this podcast is to shine a light on people like yourself who have created or are creating their dream life best fit role or business. Let's begin. Or shall we talk about perhaps the crossroads? What was going on for you when you were at your key career crossroad? Yeah. So the key career crossroad also coincided with my kind of key life crossroad. I guess the dot point leading up to it was that through my 20s and early 30s, I, I didn't have a career. Very early on, I was passionate about acting, but then just fell in love with travel and, and pretty much bummed my way around the world traveling. And it wasn't until having kids in my early 30s that I thought, crikey, I better get a career. Um, so I started working with Flight Center only because I'd been traveling and, and I loved travel. Started with Flight Center and had quite a successful eight years with Flight Center. And in the last few of those years, I was in a senior leadership role. But really, the pressure to drive profit and the pressure to get results. And I found myself experiencing what I think a lot of people in these situations experience, which was moving away from my core values and moving away from my authentic self and putting on a happy face and pretending that I was happy, earning a lot of money, traveling around the world, business class and you know, doing that whole thing, but not surfing and not spending time with my kids enough and drinking too much alcohol and pretending to be happy, really. Anyway, so the, the two aspects of that role that I really loved was the one-to-one coaching. So when I was working with people in my teams and, and coaching them and the one-to-many 
facilitation. So standing in front of a room and helping the room get from A to B. And they were the two aspects of, of the role that I really loved. The rest of it, I didn't really enjoy, which was, you know, trying to make people buy things that they didn't necessarily need or want and trying to grow that bottom line profit year on year on year. Uh, I really didn't enjoy doing that. And then we, in the senior leadership group, we got an external coach to come in and, and run a two-day leadership training with us. And I just fell in love with everything that he was doing. He's still a mentor of mine to this day. And on the second day on the lunch break, I said to him, what do you do? What's what's your job? And he said, this, this is what I do. I teach this human behavior and um, leadership. And I just loved it. And I said, right, that's what I want to do. And I put it out there to the universe and said, you know, I'm going to work for another year or so in this leadership role in Flight Center, and then I'm going to leave and study coaching. Um, and the universe heard me, but didn't hear the time frame of in a year or so. And within a month or two, I, um, I didn't have a job anymore. So I, I took that as a sign. I was in my early 40s. I took that as a sign to, um, to change career and I went and took the, the small handshake that I got in my departure from Flight Center and, and invested that in, in studying and coaching. And at the same time, I had some people call it a midlife crisis, but I called it a midlife opportunity or a midlife awakening. Uh, and that was me realizing that I'd been running a racket in my own head for, for my whole life that I wasn't good enough. Since then, I've found is quite a common thing for, for humans to do. And so I went to work on reprogramming my self-beliefs and uh, successfully rewrote that to I am good enough, just the way I am. And as you probably know, Nikki, when you change your internal perception of things, your external reality changes. So a lot of things change for me in the outside world and, and including the career and the path that I'm on now and being able to feed my kids and have the lifestyle that we want doing something that I love. So happy days now. So fun to hear. So I really love getting people to share what some of those early mini experiments were. So you'd, you'd said to the universe, in a year's time, I want to be doing this. And actually within a couple of months, your role was no longer. So it sound, you've touched on that you started to study coaching, but could you perhaps share what some of the other early mini experiments might have been around that? So I want to be a leadership coach. What did you tinker around with? I was thinking about this. I mean, I guess my introduction to coaching per se was through the leadership development that I was lucky enough to have in Flight Center. Flight Center are actually really good at investing in, in developing their leaders. And so I'd been introduced to coaching as a concept and NLP, human behavior, that sort of stuff in the Flight Center role. So I guess a mini experiment was the thousands of hours of coaching that I was getting under my belt just purely in the role that I was in. Uh, but in terms of when I left Flight Center, I didn't really do mini experiments. I did one big, major, massive experiment and I jumped both feet in. It, the timing was pretty crazy. My wife and I and the kids were had just taken out pretty big loans to build our house down in Aries Inlet. So I was, um, you know, and I'd taken those loans out on the back of earning a lot of money at Flight Center and then I didn't have that job. So I was in a situation where I really needed income and everyone around me said, Jem, just go and get another senior leadership role somewhere with an organization. And I said, nope, it's a sign. I'm doing this. I'm going to, I'm going to launch in and study coaching. I'm going to study it really quickly and get through the course with a lot of dedication and focus, and I'm going to start my business straight away. And for me to jump both feet in with a couple of kids to feed and a house to build, I forced myself to make things work pretty quickly. There was no slow entry into it for me, so I really had to back myself. One of the things I love about what you just said was actually you recognize what you'd already done. And so for you, having already got thousands of coaching hours under your belt meant actually you are a coach. 
I love that. And I think that's a really clever hint. You know, when you're thinking about career transitions, often you're looking at what don't you have, but it's really important to look at what have you done already? What have you got under your belt? But I wonder in terms of connecting, were there some mini experiments about how am I going to connect with clients or leads or, you know, referrals? Absolutely. But that's the hardest transition is becoming paid for what you want to do. How do you go from not earning money doing it to getting paid to do that? My first mini step in that department was I put it out through extended social groups. So not necessarily close friends, but friends of friends, put it out there and and offered to coach initially for nothing pro bono. I had about six clients who went through six sessions each with me pro bono. The next step was I would coach someone and say to them, at the end of the coaching session, you pay me what you think it was worth to you. And I've got zero expectation of what that will be. And I remember the first time anyone paid me for a coaching session. At the end of the session, she gave me 50 bucks. And I walked out of the coaching session and did a little skip down the street and went, I just got paid money (laughs) to coach (laughs) 50 bucks. Um, which was great. And then the next time I coached her, she paid me 100 and then it just kind of was a progression from there. And once once you've started invoicing people um, and if you're good at what you do, obviously, uh, the word of mouth referrals, which is still the only marketing I do, it's all through, all referral and you work your way from there. Perfect. So, Jim, you've got a number of interests, haven't you, in terms of mindfulness and leadership and authenticity if you were to share three top hints or areas of interest that you want people to know about what would they be one of the most effective tools for happiness in general and then more specifically in the area that I work in for leadership is mindfulness the practice of mindfulness and very simply I see two different practices of mindfulness there's integrated mindfulness and dedicated mindfulness so integrated mindfulness is great for those people who say I don't have time to meditate because integrated mindfulness is the practice of mindfulness doing something that you would ordinarily be doing anyway so you can mindfully brush your teeth or mindfully wash the dishes or mindfully drive your car or mindfully listen to someone uh, so there's lots of ways to practice integrated mindfulness and then dedicated mindfulness is is what it suggests setting some time aside to sit down and essentially meditate. And I've found over the years of this practice, it's just so much easier to practice equanimity, to to not react to your reactions. So in a situation where you may think something or feel something, and then there's an emotion that goes with that, which is all healthy and normal and natural for us humans. But quite often we get into a thought emotive loop and we, we start looping on something. And even though we would like to remove ourselves from that loop, quite often as humans, we get stuck in that loop. And the more you practice mindfulness and meditation, the easier it is to cut the loop, to get out of it and, and to carry on. So yeah, mindfulness is, is certainly huge. Another one for me is relationships are so important, not just our, our intimate relationships, but all, all relationships are really important. And in fact, studies show us now that our level of happiness or well-being in life is directly correlated to the quality of our relationships. So foster your relationships. They're, they're so important. And also, Nikki, I, I think that as we move forward in the next five to 10 years and AI starts doing a lot of our jobs better than we do, to remain relevant, it's really going to be in our ability to have those authentic and deep relationships as humans. You know, we need each other. We need the human connection. And to remain relevant in your field, whatever it is that you do, I would suggest just continually getting better at relationships. Beautiful. Mm. Is there a third one you'd like to share? Okay, mindfulness, relationships. Yes, nature therapy. 
get into the nature. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it would be easy for me to take it for granted, but I'm in nature every day. I love surfing. My kids love surfing. We love bushwalks. It's part of the reason that I take the leadership retreats that I take have to be in remote, stunning, breathtaking nature. It's a, it's a big part of the success of the programs. And a lot of people don't. There's a lot of people in the cities who get very caught up and busy in their lives and don't make time to get into nature. And for people who like evidence and scientific proof to get a concept, go and Google it. The Japanese have been studying it now for long enough to have bodies of evidence. And they now have a therapy in Japan called tree bathing. And they go literally just go and sit in the forest. But they've measured the benefits for us uh, mentally and physically. So yeah, nature therapy is massive. Yeah, if it's a part of your life routine, it's a certain key to well-being for sure. And what's beautiful is you can just start where you're at, can't you? You can start with that 15 minutes in the park next to the tree eating your lunch next to the building you're working in, can't you? Take your shoes and socks off and stand barefoot on the grass. It sounds like a hippie thing to do, but it actually works. It does work. What I love is that you can start where you're at. So you don't have to jump into Jem's daily surfing routine. You can no. start where you are with the park or the tree next door. Yes, completely. So next, I've got to ask you about the adventure retreats. Tell us a bit about those. The whole thing started with the Himalaya. And over 20 years ago, I found myself living with a family in the foothills of the Himalayan mountains in northwest India. So nestled up in between Tibet and Pakistan. And it was a really special time for me. I was 28 years old and fell in love with this family and they're still now to this day, they're my, my mountain family. And when I was up there, their son and I were, were becoming really good mates uh, and I just had this feeling that I was going to bring people there and I said to him, I don't know what it is, but I've got a feeling I'm, one day I want to bring people here and something around nature therapy, something around getting people's hands in the dirt and cooking on a fire and camping in these beautiful mountains. Um, you know, because it's just so stunning over there. And he said to me back then, um, he's, a, he's a qualified trekking guide, Papu, his name is. And Papu said to me, oh, great, let's pick up rubbish. Let's take them trekking in the mountains and take in some empty bags and pick up rubbish. So this was over 20 years ago. And then I car parked that idea and got on with other aspects of life, having kids and career and, and whatnot. Then jumped forward to the coaching journey and I left my job, um, was studying coaching. I just started my coaching business and I had one of those typical light bulb five-minute download moments. And I was up the back of the room filming one of the teachers at the Coaching Institute. And I literally had the light bulb moment. And I went, oh my God, it's called Leaders in Life. It's a leadership retreat to the Himalayan mountains, to my family. And I downloaded the whole thing in five minutes. I saw the program, how it would look, where we would go, the brand even. I had images on, on what the brand would look like and the company and everything. Got super excited and drove back down, down the coast, drove home and went home to my wife. And I said, I'm going to take people to the Himalayan mountains. And this is what it is. And she knows me and looked at me and went, oh, you're really going to do this, aren't you? And so I did. So I started taking groups initially twice a year. Now it's once a year. We take people to the Himalayan mountains. The program is, it's been refined over the last five years, but it's still pretty much what I saw in that first five minute download. And then since then, uh, I had a female client say to me, look, I'd love to do this program, life-defining, life-changing program, but the Himalayan mountains are not for me. Could you do a five-star version in Bali, you know, with villas and spas and that sort of stuff? And I thought, actually, that's a really good idea. And she said, if you make that for women, I think that's a nice niche and, and I can bring some friends. So I started The Conscious Woman 
in North Bali. That's been running for four or five years now. And then I launched one last year in the Kimberley, north of Broome, on a beautiful Aboriginal campsite right up on that top left corner of Australia, a mindful leadership retreat up there, which was stunning as well. And since then, uh, my partner, Talia, and I have designed and run three times now a relationship retreat here in Janjuk, down on the Great Ocean Road. And Talia is now part of my international retreats as well. She's a specializes in mindful movement. She's got a Pilates background. And so she works with creating foundational strength in the physical realm on these retreats. And then I work with emotional, mental, and insert here whatever word you want. I'll call it spiritual. And I work in those three spaces. So we've got the whole thing covered. It's so beautiful to hear. And if you're listening in, can you hear how you can design your work life? Can you hear it? Hmm. (laughs) I hope you can. So up next, let's look a little bit at your strengths. Why don't you share a a little bit about them? Strengths, connection, connection to other humans is, is a massive strength of mine. And it's also a love of mine. I really believe that it's through our relationships with other people that we can achieve great things. You know, there's not one human being that can do it all. You know, and I was thinking about this the other day, actually, even a genius like Albert Einstein, his genius wouldn't have had the impact for all of us that it's had if it wasn't for the people who knew how to build a printing press and, you know, release his literature and and publish. And, you know, there's a whole lot of people that are involved with humans having an impact. I mean, you think even Jimi Hendrix, right? So this amazing musician, but without someone who could design and build an electric guitar or amplifiers or put on a concert and get people there, I mean, he would have just been a guitarist sitting in his bedroom on his own. So even genius human beings, we, we need each other to make things happen. Connection's really important, and I love connecting with humans. I meet probably two to three new people every week in a, in a formalized way, like have a one-to-one. I've never met them. I've, I've heard about them. We sit down and have a cuppa together and just get to know each other and what we're doing. And I reckon out of all the people I meet, um, I don't know if it's one in ten, there's a synergy, and it's like, wow, I can help you do that by introducing you to someone else or, or working together. So, yeah, connecting's definitely a strength. Fantastic. What about developing and coaching people? I love that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about evolution and, and growth on a broader but also on an individual level. It's one of my core values is to continually seek to get better at being me. And so then when I meet other people who are also driven by that human need of growth, personal growth, getting better at being themselves, it's an honor to, to work with people and be a part of that journey for them. And apparently... I'm pretty good at it. So, you know, I really enjoy the process. And I think what I really love about it is making it all about the other person. And, you know, in those hour coaching sessions, I get to take a break from my stuff. It's not about me at all. And so it's a really beautiful opportunity to help people and, and to serve and to earn money while I'm doing it, which is which is obviously great. And why do I love it so much? I guess, again, it's that, that human need that we have And the more I work with humans, the more I understand that it's a lot of humans have this need, if not all of them, which is to make a difference, to make a positive impact in other people's lives, whether it's micro or macro. I mean, that can be just in your your kid's life or your partner's life, or for some people, they want to change the world. And it actually doesn't matter to what scale you want to make a positive impact. But if you're getting that need met, then it's another key to well-being. 
we really do want to design our work and life to play to our strengths. So when we do focus for 60 to 80% of our work week on them, we significantly boost our productivity, our resilience, our positive influence and creativity. Is there something that you've consciously done to play to your strengths in your work week? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I structure, I structure my week around my strengths. I'm week on, week off with my kids. So when I've got my boys, you know, those hours before nine and after three are all parenting. If I've got extra work that needs to be done after the kids have gone to bed, I'll sit up and do it. But I've really structured it on a fortnightly basis so that when I'm with my kids, I can be really with them. Before I know it, they'll be grown up and gone. So I I'd certainly want to cherish the time that I've got while they're kids. And then in the week when I don't have my kids, then... I have the opportunity to be with clients and associates more. Playing to my strengths. So I do the stuff I love to do, which is the the connecting, the coaching, the running retreats, and then the stuff that I don't so much love to do, I outsource. So someone does my books for me, someone does my accounting, someone does my marketing. The stuff that I don't particularly like, I find it better to pay someone else to do that, which frees up my time. And my time is worth more when I'm actually delivering speaking at events or coaching anyway, it's better for me to do that and get someone else to do the other stuff. Exactly. Is there a, a mistake you've made and recovered from? Oh, yeah, plenty of them. <laughs> yeah. One that springs to mind actually goes back to my past work life, to my when I was working at Flight Centre and before becoming a senior leader when I was running shops, so the, the team leader of a shop. And there was a, a group of families, I was living in South Australia, and there was a group of families that were going on their kids' soccer tournament to the Gold Coast, and they all wanted to be booked in the same hotel. And I booked four of the five families into the same hotel, and then there was a different hotel with the same name, and anyway, long story, through the wholesalers, I made a mistake. I somehow booked this one family into the wrong hotel. So I get a phone call at 8 o'clock at night, and there's in the background, (laughs) there's kids' crying and, and screaming and there's the partner in the background screaming horrible things about me and I had the father on the phone with me and he was angry and how could I book them into the wrong hotel and the kids were devastated and everything and I was feeling obviously horrible about it. Anyway, I look, I just bent over backwards to do everything I could to make it all right for them and whatever I could do to, to make that happen and treating them to this, that and the other. And then when they got back to Australia, to South Australia, getting them over and I can't remember what I did. I think I shouted them at dinner and owned it and really just was very apologetic and owned it. I didn't try and get out of it. Anyway, in the end, they ended up becoming really, really loyal clients. And the next year, they brought 15 different families with them for a big, massive booking. And I managed to retain them as clients and, and actually form a bit of a friendship through that blooper. How much do we just want people to own their mistakes and take responsibility? Yep, yep. Love it. So next up, we usually talk about a recurring negative belief or self-talk that you have. And you touched on one earlier, which was the in your midlife awakening, you had the recurring thought that you weren't good enough. And mm. you're right, it's pretty darn universal. What were perhaps one or two ways you went about reprogramming that one? Yeah, this was the major one for me to, to reprogram because, you know, the, the limiting belief of I'm not, what if I'm not good enough or, or I'm not good enough. And for a lot of us, it can be even subconscious. Um, so you're not really aware of it, but it's, it's a, a neural pathway that's looping or firing in the background. And when I first 
realized that, that I had this negative belief going on and it was through quite a cathartic process, which I don't need to go through, but it was, it was a kind of defining event. But when I realized I hadn't studied coaching yet, I hadn't studied the wonderful world of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, so I didn't know any of these kind of fancy ways to trick our brains into creating pretty phenomenal change pretty quickly. And I only had been reading books about it. So I'd been reading books on how to evolve the brain and neuroscience and how the brain works and how do we rewire. And I literally just rolled up my sleeves and went to work on myself through language. And I'd read that when we speak words, the corresponding neurons have to fire in our brain. So I picked the mantra that I did want, which was, I am good enough just the way I am. And I just started saying it a lot. I mean, every time I was on my own, I'd be driving to and from work and I would just be repeating it out loud in my car. I'd make up songs with it. <laughs> I'd be saying, whenever I could kind of get away with saying this mantra over and over and not get locked up for being a crazy person, um, I went to work on myself. And I think it took about six months before I started to notice a change. And to begin with, I didn't even believe this new mantra. I, I didn't believe it yet, but I'd read that if I just kept repeating it, the corresponding neurons would fire together. And then when our neurons fire together long enough, repetitively enough, they end up wiring together. So they become an automatic reflex thought or a belief. And sure enough, after about six months, I started to believe my own hype and I was successfully re-brainwashing myself uh, and then everything started to change. And I love hearing that because it can be that simple. Yes, persistence to continue doing it, but it can be that simple. Absolutely. And uh, look, a little tip, and I found this out later on, but we've understood now through research and studies that when we fire neurons, i.e. when we say a mantra, I am good enough just the way I am or whatever your mantra is, when we say that mantra and we're in peak state, so we're now and physiologically we're in peak state, which is you know, feeling amazing, feeling really, really great. It might be that you've just done a session in the gym or um, you've just had a great connection with someone. For me, it's when I've caught a great wave and I'm paddling back out to the lineup and you have that feeling of, wow, I'm feeling super good right now. When we fire neurons in that state, they wire together thousands of times faster. Ooh, excellent. Yep. Yeah, super good tip. So if you're wanting to create a new belief or a new mindset around something and you've got a mantra that you're saying, say it when you're in peak state. Such a good shortcut there. Love it. Mm. Yeah, if you're into being very strategic and effective with how you spend your mantra time, there you go. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. So up next, I'd love to invite you to set a challenge for everyone listening in. What's a step or a mini experiment or invitation you'd like to set? Okay, I've got two challenges and, and the listeners can pick either one or both. They might sound super simple, but the challenge is to make it a part of your practice and a part of what you do. And both of them have really, really profound effects, actually. So challenge number one is download Smiling Minds, the app, and meditate or listen to the app for five minutes each day. There's the challenge. And it takes some time, but what will happen or certainly what happened for me and for lots of people who I've spoken to about this is that it goes from being a chore to being five minutes that you really look forward to. And I mean, my meditation time now is half an hour. I don't meditate every day. It's probably four out of seven days a week when I meditate for half an hour in the morning. And it's just become a time that I so look forward to because it's time out it's taking a break. There's nothing to fix, nothing to solve, um, no problems to sort out, no kids to wrangle, no lunchboxes to make, <laughs> just literally time out to sit and observe. 
So yeah, five minutes a day and Smiling Minds is an Aussie app and it's a really good one. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two is list out loud, list five things that you're grateful for each day. Just literally, I'm grateful for food, I'm grateful for shelter, I'm grateful for uh, my loved ones, I'm grateful for my clothes, I'm grateful for where I live, I'm grateful for my health, just like that, five times a day. And we also know through neuroscience the positive impact of practicing gratitude. For those who like evidence, it's all there. However, you'll just notice as soon as you list things you're grateful for, your mood changes. And if that can become a practice for you, uh, your life will improve as well. Absolutely. I love that one. One of my favorite studies, I actually looked at a cohort of retirees in a retirement village and they got them to even do three things they're grateful for once a day. Mm. It improved their happiness by 30% in 21 days which is incredible. And so remember, go for gems five by five. But remember, even if you do it once a day, you're still likely to feel 30% happier in 21 days. And we know that happiness is the best predictor of success, plus all the feel-good elements of it anyway. Yep. What a fantastic duo challenge. Can't pick just one. Got to do two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can pick one one or the other or do one for a while and then do the other. I do both and they're certainly a part of my happiness. And talking about hardwiring our brains, I've actually now hardwired my brain to gratitude and I'm literally tripping over gratitude, you know, everywhere I go. I've, I've noticed, especially in the last 12 months, You know how we have the internal kind of commentary going on in our heads throughout our lives. We're always commentating to ourselves, (laughs) our existence. And I've noticed now that a large part of the commentary is, oh, I'm so grateful for that. Or, you know, I'll go and get something from the shops and I'll walk out and automatically my mind says, oh, I'm so grateful that I have money for food. Or I'll get in my car and say, I'm so grateful for my car. And people might think, aren't you practicing gratitude a little bit too much? And I'm like, no, I don't think I am because when you're grateful, you're happy. I heard the Dalai Lama say once when someone asked him, what is the meaning of life? And he said, to experience as much happiness as possible. (laughs) And uh, I really liked that. And so if that's one of the meanings of life, then gratitude is certainly a key to happiness. We are the architect of our thoughts. And I think that's a great gateway to that as well. Mm. You know, it's a simple and easy reminder and something that just generates joy and happiness immediately. So, Jem, I want to connect people to you. How can Mm -hmm. they find out more about your coaching, your speaking and your retreats? Yeah, sure. Well, we're we're right in the middle of a rebrand, which is exciting because I love new stuff and creating new stuff. And we're building the Gem Fuller brand. Most of what I'm focused on at the moment is speaking at events. But in terms of people finding out more about me, I've just published an ebook, which is available for free. And it's just on the landing page. So www.gemfuller.com pretty easy, J-E-M-F-U-L-L-E-R.com. And like I said, it's just a landing page at the moment. The website's not finished, but I'm happy for people to go on there and you just fill out the form on that landing page and you'll be emailed a link. The ebook's free at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be free forever, but it certainly is now. So that's a somewhere where people can go and download something and have a read. My company website is still active. That's leadersinlife.com.au. That's all about the retreats. You can follow me on Facebook, Jem Fuller. On Facebook, I do a lot of video blogging. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's about it, I think. Perfect. So, Jem, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing a bit about your life awakening, midlife awakening, and a bit about what's been going on since then. 
It's been really fun to share a bit about you today, Jem, because Jem absolutely exudes love and his passion for mindfulness and leadership and adventure. I particularly enjoyed talking about the nature therapy and also gratitude and and simple ways to connect with mindfulness as well today. So thanks again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on, Nikki. It's beautiful work that you're doing. Cheers, Jem. Speak to you soon. Bye for now. Great. Thanks, Nikki. See you. Thanks for listening. Two things I'd like to mention. Firstly, if you're keen to boost your happiness at work, then head on over to www.nikkismith.net.au, which is n-i-k-k-i-s-m-i-t-h.net.au, and sign up for your starter kit. I share tips in there that are easy to implement and are pure gold. Secondly, if you crave a new work role and have no idea what to do, or lots of ideas but don't know where to start, then head on over and check out the 7-Step Career Change online program. This is an awesome system I use to help people create their dream life best fit role, which is a role that matches their strengths, interests and lifestyle needs. It will move you from feeling fed up, unsure and unconfident to clear, inspired and motivated in six weeks. Plus, if you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.